next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. A serious accident releases highly toxic chemicals. Begin evacuation of secondary hull. And contamination ignites a chain reaction that's tearing up the Enterprise. Controls are not responding, sir. Now the crew faces destruction at breakneck speed. We can't shut it down, Captain. She's accelerating out of control. On the next exciting episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Strange new takes. I'm your goddess of empathy, Notch Karnick, and with me in the holodeck are Rudy Baker, Emily Bowen Marler, and Adam Bowen. Uh, welcome to Strange New Takes, everybody. Uh, we're excited to continue our series on holodeck episodes and I guess holodeck adjacent episodes or episodes that seem to feature lots of hollow things in them. Uh, uh, this episode Isn't that is, every episode of Voyager? Uh, kind of, yeah. We should just watch Voyager instead. Okay, but uh, any, anyhow, this is the episode Hollow Pursuits uh, from Star Trek The Next Generation. Before we start, we want to remind you all to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tell your friends about us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And as always, we will be spoiling this episode as we talk about it. So if you haven't watched Hollow Pursuits yet, um, um, please go ahead and do so. Uh, we may also spoil other bits and pieces of Star Trek and, and general um, media. Um, and this episode, I would say, is actually important, really important to watch because personally, I feel it has a nice little one, one of the nicer just right at the end twists that Star Trek has. Um, um, I, I, I remembered it when I saw it again. So, yeah. Um, watch the episode. So this is. I was going to say the thir- 21st episode of the third season of. TNG, which it is, we're going to talk about that. But this is the 53rd episode of our podcast, which is pretty incredible because it's July. And I remember us starting recording this in August last year. So I don't know what, 52 weeks, technically it's a year later. So I, Well, I don't it's know because what, what the happened. last year has been longer than any year of any of our lives, <laughs> yeah. right? Yes. That, did, that, did we yeah. accidentally record twice in one of those weeks? <laughs> we have been in a time <laughs> loop. Yeah, yeah. Notch, think... you've been on every episode, though. That's pretty amazing. Yes. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I, I apologize to that one listener out there is probably like, you know, they all keep changing, but this fucker is always on every single episode. <laughs> and really just go away. Um, yeah, it's it's been lucky, you know. I don't think for if, it, if I wasn't working from home, I probably wouldn't be here every week. But Yeah, that does help. That does help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, but anyway, it's thank you. Thank you, Max and Dinah and Bill as well, who aren't here right now, uh, for, for all of your work on this podcast. And thank you, listener, for, for listening to us for an entire year. We've got a great back catalog. If you haven't listened to all the episodes, um, go back. There's some great strange new takes out there. Uh, you can follow the journey of Adam's chickens, for example. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, you know? So <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah, yeah, there'll be a museum to to Adam's strange new chicken dicks uh, someday. <laughs> All right, well, today we are, as Adam was mentioning, talking about Hollow Pursuits, which if I was a writer on TNG the whole time I was filming, I would be like, Hollow, get it? <laughs> and poking all the cast members that I was around. <laughs> But thankfully, I wasn't there. This episode first aired on 30th April, 1990. It was written by Sally Caves. It was directed by Cliff Bowl. And the in-universe date is 2366. So we always start our discussions of these episodes with uh, our strange new takes. So, crew, who's got a strange new take for me? I can I can get started. A general new take, um, actually tied to Star Trek a little bit. Uh, I don't know where I saw it, but I think there's a commemorative Tom Paris plate out there now, like like a, <laughs> like a cartoon Tom Paris and. I don't usually buy stuff like that, but I don't know. That just looks too good not to buy. <laughs> so yeah. that's my general new take. And then this episode, um, we'll get into it in detail, but I, it's almost like 
the episodes are focusing on issues of humanity and at the same time um because we're talking about um a hollow series or a series focus like the podcasts are focusing on on holograms um um I'm looking at it from their perspective as well and I've never seen these episodes with that in mind and so that's really interesting it's it's carrying over from the previous one as well with um with Nog and Vic Fontaine and Vic Fontaine's rights and and self-determination and all that so I see that I see some of that here as well Well um have any of you watched the, is it the art of tidying up the Marie Kondo show that's on Netflix? The life changing magic of tidying up. Okay, there you go. Life changing magic of tidying up. I knew Adam would know, so I'd never seen it before. I've just I've heard people talk about, you know, using her technique. And my house is a disaster. But let me tell you, the best way to feel better about your house is to watch an episode of that show, because I don't have near as much crap as the people in the episode I saw. (laughs) It made me feel like it was a much more manageable task than I thought. Cause I got a lot of crap, but, but yeah, it does not compare. Like they had to have like a whole moving truck to collect all their crap. Oh my God. I was like, Whoa, that is just a little much. But anyway, so, so that made me feel better about myself. Um, and my strange new take for this episode is that I didn't realize the enterprise crew was full of so many jerks. But it is. There are a lot of jerks on that ship. <laughs> and the captain was not one of them, even though the captain was a big jerk early in season one. But that he was he was not one of the jerks in this episode, I didn't think. Yeah, just made, made an unfortunate flub uh, that yes, uh, yes. did not improve things. <laughs> so I, I do, you know, just to respond to that, Emily, I do wonder if this is, and not to jump on her too much, but Shelley Caves has written two episodes of Star Trek, one on Deep Space Nine and one on TNG, so I do wonder if it's just a new writer coming in and not really knowing the character mm. histories as much in writing what is a compelling episode, but maybe not a compelling character piece for some of our characters, but I don't know, that maybe that's giving her too little credit and too much credit to other writers on the show. Anyway, uh, my strange new take is that... I am having some trouble understanding if I'm getting too obsessive over Anthony Bourdain. I didn't follow the man until after he died. And Mm. I've watched a movie about his life that came out recently. I'm re-watching all of his stuff. And I I feel very compelled to, like, understand him and gobble up any information about him. And, like, I don't know. I'm getting a little obsessed. And I don't know when too much is like when how much is too much in that area you know because it's he's such a complex guy and i really am finding myself wanting to learn as much as i can about him and maybe that that's that's a little excessive at times but uh, he's a fascinating guy if you haven't read his books certainly do that if you if you have then the time to watch his shows do that too i think he it was it's a beautiful thing the way he talks about culture and and um the world I prescribe a lot, I think, just just to continue my off-topic, I apologize, I'm going a little long here. But the one thing that I've always respected about him is that he always talks about food you don't like and grosses you out as, like, if you're offered something by someone who is, like, lovingly giving it to you, you just got to treat them like they're your grandma. If grandma gives you something where you're like, "Uh, this turkey's a little bland, you just eat it. And then you say, can I have seconds? You don't, like, say, like, "Ah, actually, I don't don't do that. Um, You just... And that's what that's what traveling the world is about. You just you you accept what you can if someone's offering it to you. Now, no one's saying that you need to go and eat, seek out weird stuff to eat that you don't want. But if someone, if you're in someone's home or their restaurant or whatever, you be open to new experiences. But anyway, I lo- I, I really love that man's approach to culture in that way. Uh, I'll keep my episode takes short, um, which is just that I found this episode to be a little uh, hollow. Uh-huh. <laughs> see what you did there there you go (laughs) yeah um for my strange new take uh i'm gonna say uh give your chickens a good high quality dust bath uh so i've uh i I mean i I have always understood the importance of having a good dust bath for my chickens that's how they get rid of parasites and all that stuff but i kind of let the ladies uh pick choose where they wanted to have one and then would just sort of provide the materials for it 
Uh, just recently, though, I just bought them a gigantic tub. Uh, uh, that's sort of a galvanized tub thing. Put a bunch of sand and some uh, peat moss and some uh, a little bit of uh, uh, other stuff in there. And they are so delighted and so stimulated that they sometimes they don't even notice us uh, in the backyard anymore. And they just kind of like are going about their business so excited, like jumping up onto it and then like wondering, like, can I jump onto the ladder? I don't think I can jump onto the ladder. I'm going to jump into the uh, into the dust bath. And it's just it's delightful to see them enjoying something so much. Uh, for the episode, I just thought that this was a, a great, uh, great opportunity. It, we, we got to see uh, Barkley finally stick it to all those SJWs uh, in the Enterprise crew and, you know, just uh, uh, give, give him the finger and drink some whiskey uh, on the job. And I, I just know that he, he's been wanting to do that for, for so long. And so I'm, I'm just so happy for him that he finally got to do that. And, and it's his first time. On the on Star Trek, this is Dwight Schultz's grand entry onto the stage as Reg Barkley, who would go on to appear eleven more times, including in Star Trek: First Contact, memorably. So, um, let's jump into in-depth episode discussion here. The Memory Alpha summary is Lieutenant Barkley, an introverted diagnostic engineer, is having difficulties dealing with his fantasies. This is definitely one of those episodes where someone shows up and everyone's like, "Oh yeah." This dude has been like a close friend of mine off screen for the entire three seasons up to this point. And uh, you just have to like accept that. Uh, we are very torn that this person who you've never seen before is having problems. And um, I mean, that, those are typically these other episodes. Like, you know, I've mentioned Ashes to Ashes before where uh, Voyager has this like crew member who died earlier, apparently, that turns up and everyone's like, oh, yeah, Lindsay Ballard, cool lady. Like we we chilled a lot right there off camera like mm -hmm. you know that that other scene where Janeway and Paris were talking well Kim and Lindsay Ballard right about six feet that way all <laughs> all episode uh having like great times so anyway Star Trek does that often and this is one of those times um it, the, but the, the amazing thing is that he he didn't die at the end of this episode and I I, I uh because that that didn't happen <laughs> I uh I didn't actually realize that this was his first introduction so I just sort of thought that uh uh yeah, I, it, I guess it, it does make sense because I, I, most of my other memories are, yeah, I guess post this, uh, even though some of them are just absolutely terrible episodes. Uh, and so I just assume that they have to be earlier. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, his first appearance on the screen is in this teaser, which definitely has some shock value. You don't know who this dude is. He's just sitting at the bar like the lone stranger at a, like a Western saloon and then like... You know, mm -hmm. the, the baddies come in, like, who are our regular cast members come and, like, attack him. And he's like, yeah, fuck you, Riker. Screw you, Jordy. I'm going to push you over. And then he goes and talks to Troy. What y'all think about the teaser? I thought it was a... what It felt like he just kind of placed Riker on the bar. And Riker just, like, acted as though he had been thrown into the bar and knocked unconscious. But, like, it was, like, such a gentle move. It was really strange. <laughs> I don't know. The, it wasn't the best fight choreography I've well, seen. I, I, I kind of feel like that that's probably on purpose. Like, it it, it, it sort of made me think of, like, it, you're playing a, a video game, but, like, on the absolute easiest possible setting. Where, like, <laughs> uh, because Barkley has no combat skills whatsoever, like, the characters have to pretend like oh my god i've just been uh, slammed against the wall with so much force my back is broken <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what happens with jordy when he like he just gives him a light push and jordy like goes like doubles over yeah. the chair like <laughs> it, there was no like double fist punch or anything i don't think so <laughs> nothing to explain that amount of force the thing that fascinated me it just happened like just in half a second i don't know if you guys got it was how gynan protects that whiskey and disappears off the back when <laughs> When, uh, <laughs> like, I've not seen her move so fast, not even in, in Time's Arrow or any of the Borg episodes. She's just, like, out of there. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, it was comical. It was nice. I, I liked it. And I don't know. It's another thing, right? Like, if you're watching, I've not watched DNG sequentially, episode by episode, you know, forward, right? It's, it's catching it on TV whenever you get it. It's a rerun, mm -hmm. things like that. So... I get the sense that when I watched this for the first time, I already kind of had an idea of Barkley's awkwardness. So when I went into that first scene, it was like, oh, okay. 
um, he's like, what's going on here, right? Like, I don't know him to be this kind of guy. So that's that's maybe a unique perspective. But yeah, this um, this episode also has another holodeck episode trope. I mean, it's it's forget episode. It's in Star Trek Generations where you know something's happening in the holodeck and someone like comes in, uh, you know. Uh, bridge to Picard and suddenly like the, the illusion is broken by a communication from outside of the holodeck and that's how the teaser ends over here it's like you know Jordy LaForge to Barkley or whatever I forget exactly what's said and then he has to rush off to the cargo area where he's hiding behind these <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a little uh, little much I mean, I, I, and, I, and think I guess it, yeah. it, it, it's, it sets up the character but I I, I like now that I'm realizing that this is the, our first introduction to him, I, I I think this episode does do it pretty well because he we we go straight from like sort of a faux John Wayne type thing to like something that's like so awkward that I I, I can't even re- like dig back and remember like the the worst moments of like seventh grade. I I don't know if I pulled quite that <laughs> level of awkwardness that he did uh, in that cargo bay. And I think that's a theme going through, right? So I watched this when I was in in middle school. And I'll be honest, I wasn't, you know, one of the one on the one of the people on the popular table and whatnot. But when we see somebody like Barkley, you feel like, Oh my god, this is so much worse than what I'm going through and <laughs> and, yeah. and and it's you empathize with it and then you celebrate it and then you're kinda of, you're kinda of immersed in that experience and then you're feeling sad for him you're feeling afraid for him you're i mean that's that's those are the emotions i went through when i saw it the first time when i saw it um recently uh, for this podcast so that was that was nice yeah he's a he's a great like humanizing uh character to have in a, a mostly a show that's just a bunch of like superhuman type people where like everyone can build uh like a time traveling device from like a handful of uh stuff just lying around to you have a guy who's like I, th- I think it's that he's very smart, but he's also extremely inept at the same time and lazy. And it's, uh, he, he doesn't, I feel like he doesn't fit exactly in all the usual tropes that you have for these kind of like intensely awkward characters. I, I think they late later on his, his character is definitely just stuck into the, Oh, it's be- he's awkward because he's brilliant. Um, but this episode definitely, I I think there's a a bit more to it that, that was like maybe he just like straight up doesn't belong at all, uh, and uh, I don't know I I I think it 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 works pretty well in that. Regard. He should be well, on he... the Cerritos. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he really doesn't come across as brilliant in this episode because, like mm-hmm. I was saying this to Nachaler, he isn't the one that solves all the problems. Like he just kind of gets the ball rolling, maybe in the right direction, or yeah. kind of pauses at just the right time that gives the other people a chance to come up with a solution yeah, yeah. or whatever and, it is and, and he's know. just he's he's good at uh if someone uh well not even good at but like he if someone comes up with an idea he knows at least to say like oh i was i was going to do that which is like i don't know if yeah. you were going to do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the other thing that we see early on in this episode when he reports to the holodeck is we have a we have the sense that the regulars are kind of like, like you were saying, Adam, they're in their like superhuman phase where they're like, we don't understand like how this do. And, and they're kind of being like LaForge is angry. I don't think I remember a lot of episodes where LaForge is this angry. And mm. Riker is very much in his state of like command Riker where, you know, like with Ro Loren, he's like, take off that, like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I think the earring or whatever. It's not regulation. Like there are some episodes where Riker has this like kind of dick persona. Yeah. And this is definitely, you know, you see that very early on with Riker in this episode. How would you all react to Riker and LaForge in this episode? I, I've never seen Jordy. Like that was the first thing that jumped out at me was how mean Jordy was. Because Jordy's just generally not a mean character. Like, that's rarely something we ever see come from him. And he was just so mean. And so, like, really not a good leader as far as um, controlling the behavior of the rest of the team. Like, there were several moments that he should have called out. He should have called them out and been like, hey, no, that's not Mm -hmm. not okay. You don't talk about about crew members that way. Or, like, even, you know, when... um, 
all of the the engineering crew they're like exchanging looks when Barkley's talking or trying to say something I mean it's just all so inappropriate they're all awful human beings for the way they're treating Barkley and it's no wonder he acts the way he does because I wouldn't be my best self if I was around people doing looks like oh what's he doing oh my god you know like I certainly wouldn't be my my best if that was surrounded by people like that so I found it very disappointing how the rest of them were behaving and Guinan calls that out explicitly, right? Like yeah. Jordy goes all belligerent to her and he's like, she's like, wait, you're talking about the effect, but you may be the cause, right? Like yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's a feedback loop there. This is what I feel though, right? Like we look at these Star Trek episodes that have been shot 10, 20, 30 years ago, right? Or 25 years ago. And they're kind of, you know, in terms of, being appropriate and, and, and moral then versus now, we've come a long way. Uh, Nachike, don't say anything. But at the same time, I'll let you finish. We can do, we, we have we have three minutes. We can just set aside. It's been a long time, but my time is finally near. Well, I could see my dream. Oh, Lord. <laughs> there, there, needs, there needs to be a, a subreddit on this somewhere. <laughs> How do you stop when you start? Like, it's just, I mean, you know. I stop because I don't know the words past the, it's been a long road getting from there to here. And then I don't know the words uh, anymore. I'm just making them up. So. Are, are you are you even a Star Trek fan if you don't like the most beautiful music Star Trek has ever featured? I mean, that's the question we really have to Inner ask light. today before. Heroes and demons uh, the, the animated series the whole the whole thing <laughs> all, all seven oh. minutes of music that's that it that, i can't be on this podcast anymore <laughs> like, groovy loop that plays over and over and oh over again <laughs> anyway. all right all right, all right. Uh, rudy it had Where been a long that? time of something i don't remember what yes, yes, yes. <laughs> hopefully i do um yes yeah, so i was saying that when these episodes were shot in, in in the time frame that they were in, it's still it's still so. I think it's heartwarming to to look at the script, uh, you know, being given to Guy and to say those things like, "Hey, you're wrong," and you're you're mm-hmm. making the person feel uncomfortable. And I think I think that I've, I don't remember it clearly. It's not like I have a vis- like a memory of that episode tying to how I dealt with life later on. But I can't I can't believe that this episode did not help a bunch of people. Um, you know, deal with their their either their introvertedness or their awkwardness or their ability to step out or deal with reality more, uh, and not not try and build too elaborate of of these worlds of um you know um these protected worlds of fantasy and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of I kind of I could think we hit on we we hit or hate on Star Trek from a long time ago, um, a lot, but but. It's. It, I still feel that it did a lot in that time for uh, for that time. Yeah, and I, I, I want actually... to. Sorry to interrupt, Adam, real quick. I want to return to this idea of where we end when we get a little bit closer to the end of this episode, um, because I I do want to I would do want to talk about the takeaway from this episode uh, in some more detail, but I I, I want to keep establishing the setup a little bit because. One of, you know, we just talked about how there's this toxic work environment, which let's, let's call this what it is. It's, it's a toxic work environment. If you had a professional position, forget the military, anywhere else where like, I mean, actually maybe the military has been historically an exception to this, at least the way it's portrayed in movies. But like, you know, if you, if you, if you're mocking a coworker and a whole group of you, I mean, that's an HR violation. Like, you know, I, uh, it's, it's, that's not a great work environment for anybody to be in. And it was interesting to me that Jordy has makes this complete turnaround immediately after I think it's after Guinan talks to him. I can't remember who, who, who when he it suggested that like it's right before he's like, "Hey, Barkley, you should come to the morning briefing." And and you know, I think that there's two things that happen because it's uh, one is that uh, it's it's sort of a sign to him that like no, you need to be his his best buddy. Uh, like you need to right. be his best friend, and so like that's that and now is part of Jordy's job to make. Uh, make sure that Barkley succeeds, but then also having the humanizing side of things for for Guinan. I think it's like those two moments that uh, turn Jody towards the other direction. Also, 
and this is the this is a very important question. I'm actually being quite serious when I say this. Why the hell is a work environment being dictated by the jokes made by a 17-year-old? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Why aren't any of these adults being like, there's a teenager making fun of one of our co-workers. This is highly inappropriate. This is a teachable moment for the teenager and not making, you know, rude nicknames. For, yeah. for a member of our staff. Like, why is it anybody telling Wesley, hey, listen, we don't know what kind of school you go to, school environment it, it is that you go to, but like in a professional environment, in the engineering room of the flagship of Starfleet, we don't treat people this way. You know? I yeah. think... I, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I think that... Uh, What's what's interesting? So we we talked about how like maybe it's that this writer doesn't know the cast as or doesn't know the characters quite so much and is sort of like jumping in from outside. But I can actually see how some of this could happen on the Enterprise because we have uh like at least uh, especially season one uh Picard is not very good at uh like sort of dealing with those interpersonal relationships with with like his coworkers or colleagues. Uh, so I could mm-hmm. see him being a pretty distant captain in that sense, as far as like interpersonal team dynamics type things goes. So I, I, I feel like that sort of coupled with that you have uh, basically everyone on the Enterprise, if especially if this really is a thing about it being the flagship, like it's the top like geniuses, most effective people f- across like an organization that is like known for producing really excellent people like uh that can probably pretty easily get into these sort of toxic behaviors without, if you don't have a strong leadership that is focusing on uh, having like healthy interactions between people. So I, I, I kind of, uh, as I was watching this episode and like seeing it go all the way up to the top before it had any sort of uh, fix to it, uh, mm-hmm. I can see how this could become rampant in this environment. Uh, and so I, I, I thought this was... Um, this was an interesting episode showing just how like you can unintentionally uh, just create this horrible environment for people. And maybe, maybe you don't realize that that's what it is because you think that you're just having fun or that you're, it's just like, you're, you're, you're doing great with your team. But like the moment you introduce someone new uh, who like doesn't fit your exact pattern is uh, like, it can become a horrible environment. And then it sort of brings everybody down. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I just maybe like from an HR standpoint or whatever, I thought this was a really compelling episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, okay. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I can appreciate that. Um, yeah, I was, I was just peeved at how I think it's everything you're saying is correct. I think I was just peeved that nobody told Wesley just like that, that, that an adult was allowed to be bullied by a, a yeah. kid. And Wesley of all people. Damn you, Wesley. It's difficult, right? There's, there's, so you talk about flagship, right? The best of the best of the best. Um, extroverts, charismatic people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they, it can, that can get cliquish, right? Almost, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't know if you were going in that direction, Adam. Yeah. At the same time, these people have ascended to this level because they have... Uh, emotional maturity and excellence as well. So then how the heck does this happen? It's actually, I think it, it keeps going back to that, that, you know, growing up high school, middle school kind of situation where somebody almost unknowingly makes fun of somebody just to get into the in-group and they don't feel good about it or they don't know what they've done, but it it's sort of happened and everybody piles on that mm-hmm. and it's too late, right? So it's it's a little bit of that, but... I think it gives even more depth to how data is almost like a, um, your your conscience, right? Like we're, we're at any point in time, he's like, wait, stop, take a step back. How does this make sense? How is this okay, right? So he's asking these mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, it's 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 interesting where, where Wesley and, and I don't think, I don't know if it's Wesley or Jody try to rationalize what they're doing mm-hmm. um, and is that is that an actual rationalization or is the writer trying to be sarcastic? If I if I if I looked at it like if I saw the episode twenty twenty five years ago, maybe it made sense to me as an actual rationalization. But now it almost sounds like sarcastic, which in a way is good writing. I don't know, or at least the way I look at it from from, from this perspective. 
Well, you know, you mentioned data that just uh, made me think of that. There was a scene a little bit later. Oh, it's when they um, the first time they make the connection between the two different incidents that maybe there's some connection between mm-hmm. them with the anti-grav unit and um, I can't remember what the other what the other incident was, but oh, the cup, the glass, maybe. But um, where Data tries to give credit to um, to Barkley for making the connection, even though it really wasn't fully Barkley that made the connection. But Data's doing what Jordy was supposed to be doing, trying to help prop up Barkley and try to help him, you know, feel a little more comfortable um, and make him feel like like he was an important part of the team. And I thought, you know, Data Data's doing a better job than <laughs> than mm-hmm. some others. Yeah, I think it's uh, there's a lot of opportunities that are presented in this episode by data for people to like re-examine their choices. Um, I'll make this point maybe right before we take a break here. One one of the people in this episode who's kind of um, I think it's a surprising amount of screen time actually is Duffy, the the other yeah. like uh, engineer. Big jerk. Yeah, he's played by Charlie Long, who I don't know if y'all have seen Charlie Long uh, in other stuff. He's a, He plays a prominent role as a congressperson in the Don't Ask, Don't Tell discussion of the West Wing. It's a very famous little clip on YouTube. It, it's watched now a little bit less now that Don't Ask, Don't Tell is gone. Mm. But it's it's a very famous little clip where Sam Seaborn and the West Wing is arguing with these two congresspeople and this military officer. And then the admiral walks in and just smokes the you know it's typical West Wing like the guy walks mm-hmm. in at the end and completely demolishes the conservative argument uh, against Don't Ask Don't Tell. So that's where I remember Charlie Long from. I looked him up. I was like, I wonder what Charlie Long is doing now. He's been in a lot of stuff. Turns out his last acting credit is in two thousand two. Mm. He currently is a uh, is a is a psychology professional focusing in areas around human sexualities, queer counseling, and narrative practice. He teaches courses in in um, that are related to psychology at several uh, universities, uh, and you know he has a Psychology Today profile. So like it's pretty cool that his he started out as an actor, but now he's doing all of this. Uh, he's a counseling professional. Yeah, he he felt so bad about what he did yeah. to Barkley yeah, that he, he had to make up for it in his career. Yeah, have, uh, have him on the podcast and have him weigh in on those scenes. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be funny. But uh, yeah, just a, just a little story I wanted to share because I, I usually look up these guest stars and see if they're doing anything interesting. And usually it's just like, oh, yeah, and he's been in uh, uh, the West Wing and then he's been in uh, The Wire or whatever. And now this guy is like, oh, he's awesome counseling professional. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back and uh, discuss more about Hollow Pursuits. I wouldn't bother you with something that's minor, Commander, but it may be a symptom of a more serious problem. Do you think we'll need to put into a starbase? We'll have a better idea after Mr. Barkley runs a check on the power systems. It was Lieutenant Barkley who first suggested a link between the two incidents. But No, it wasn't. I mean, not really. Will your investigation affect our available power during the mission? No. No, sir. We'll have to shut off some systems. We'll... Shut them down a few at a time. Shouldn't, uh, I don't think so. Good. I look forward to your report, Mr. Broccoli. Barclay. If you will excuse me. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We're talking about Hollow Pursuits from the third season of TNG. I wanted to have a short discussion about the plot of this episode. I told Emily this earlier. I watched this late at night. I was quite sleepy. Uh, some alcohol might have been consumed earlier. And I will confess that I didn't understand anything about the scientific plot in this episode. There were some people handling some large objects. A little thing failed and they all broke and there was some gas and then some things were happening. I don't... It flew straight over my head, y'all, and I don't understand what happened. So... Can, you can might someone... have fallen asleep for the one part where they explained it. They really only explained it in about a 30-second segment. <laughs> so... <laughs> I vaguely remember that. So I, I don't know. So, so can, can someone help me um, help me figure out what happened? Like, what, there was... Okay, I'll tell you what I, I do know. 
there's some sort of chemical that was no that was not being used by Starfleet anymore. They used it a long time ago. Invidium. Stop using it. Invidium. They were. Uh, Is that like vibranium? <laughs> mm. uh, no, no, no. Let's not introduce other things. I, my little brain will get confused right now. <laughs> trying to make sense of this already. So this Invidium was being. Um, so, so, so the Enterprise was transporting some sort of medical something or another for some other planet or something. I think they were taking vaccines and, down to Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> Probably. Oh, I see. Again, yeah. with the don't confuse me with things, I will actually believe them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know enough to know that you're joking. When you said vaccines, I was like, oh, of course. Yeah, I guess I remember No, that. I think they might have been uh, vaccines. I might not have been uh, fully joking with that. It, I mean, oh, it was okay. something medical, so... Okay, some sort of medical supplies is on the planet. And those people still use NVIDIA. And NVIDIA messes with some Starfleet systems. So when initially that thing cracked and opened because the grav sled failed or whatever it was, the NVIDIA got out and started messing with the Enterprise's systems. Am I, am well, I, I think it mostly got on, like, I think somehow Duffy, is it Duffy or Duff? Duffy. And O'Brien... They got it on them somehow, and they were the people, they were the ones that spread it throughout the ship. So that's how they were able to narrow it down, because they started looking at the places where Duffy and O'Brien both had been. And so that was, that's how yeah. they were able to come well, to the and, conclusion and I, that And I think did. specifically, so uh, on Memory Alpha, like the, uh, in, in the teaser section, they have a picture of Duffy. It says, it's labeled Duffy with a leaking canister. I'm pretty sure that Duffy's the <laughs> person who discovers the first one that was broken. And so mm -hmm. he picks up and, and removes it. Uh, when the sled fails and topples over and one of them falls over, I think O'Brien might be the person that picks up the other broken canister. And so uh, it's it's those two contact points. It's then sort of anything that they touch around the Enterprise starts failing in weird ways. Um, okay. And it might... I'm, I'm trying really, to remember if it transfers really between different people, but I, I'm not sure. I will say I was really glad that O'Brien discovered the malfunction in the transporter room with a canister rather than with a person. Oh, like, yeah. That would we have been like a, really yeah. unfortunate if he's like, oh, 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 wow. Ensign Francis really doesn't. Oh, gosh. Medical emergency. You know, that would have yeah, been Yeah, like uh, the motion picture or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's an early episode of Enterprise where they transport a guy and he has like rocks stuck in his face and stuff. And it's very creepy. Um, so, okay. So, so how, so what does Barkley do to figure this out again? Cause I remember him like saying something like, Oh, I'm sorry. I have to butt in he here. Says, who, he does he babble says, though, right? It's not, yeah, he does. But he said something like, maybe it's not, maybe we need to be looking at who is the common thread or something. Uh -huh. Yeah. Like maybe something one of us is doing something. Yeah. Something common across all of us. I don't know. I don't know what I'm something like, he's not confident about what he's saying, but mm -mm. yeah, he's kind, kind of babbling about what happens to be um, the root cause. And I, I think I agree with you, Emily, and you said this before, where he doesn't really intellectually figure it out. He's just sort of hitting in the dark. And, right. Yeah. Um, it, it, it happens to be the right answer. They definitely add the brilliant aspect of Barkley to later episodes. It's not in this episode. Except okay. he's very well-spoken on the holodeck. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's all tech programs, but other than that. So, so I uh, thank you for the ex technical explanation. I think I grasp what happens in this episode now. But let's let's discuss the holodeck program since we're talking about them. Um, you know, it's pretty typical like guy who's trying to feel special and beats up his coworkers, which is kind of like Mariner in the Lower Decks episode where she murders mm -hmm. all of her coworkers, <laughs> which everybody that was else like our in. Right, our longest episode of the podcast. Everyone else on the internet is like, this is hilarious. Ha ha ha. And we're like, man, this sucks. I, to be I, fair, I think, I think Adam and I that. thought it was hilarious. Yeah, Adam and I kind of got dragged along on the ride. Yeah, I, I think Emily and I were ex couldn't <laughs> help ourselves and were excited and texting about it, uh, about how yeah. good it was. And I wish we you had monsters. really text. I wish we had just had our little side conversation because we would have been able to like geek out over the episode and had a good time. But when it came onto this podcast and we're like, oh, oh we're not supposed to have thought that was fun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong thing will be punished. Yeah. And I wasn't on it and I heard it after and I was like, oh my, I didn't think of these, these, these things. I'm, I felt started feeling bad. For myself, I was like, why did I not think of these things? Oh, same here, Rudy, same here. Okay, good, good. 
<laughs> well, it was a proud tradition in, in Reginald Barclay's shoes of, of designing hollow programs where you have fun with your coworkers, I guess. Um, very creepy to put a co- female coworker into your programs and have them like romance you. And I guess it's the ethical the conversation. Do that too. Yeah. Right. And and so I I I guess the the discussion I was trying to to not just towards I will not explicitly ask about, which is 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 what he did ethical? Like, say the holodeck exists and we can do these things now. And and there's, some of this is coming up with, like, deepfake technology, right? Like, where you can have, like, I was talking about Anthony Bourdain. They had Anthony Bourdain read a letter he sent to somebody, which Bourdain himself had never read during his lifetime. He'd only typed it out. They had mm. his voice read it out in the documentary. And there's a lot of questions around that. So in the holodeck, you're essentially making people do whatever you want them to do because you have their physical parameters. You can even have them be personality-wise similar to the, the way they are in real life. Where's the line? That's that's interesting because I don't I don't really see one. And this is where I felt the episode was complex and deep in terms of hollow rights and self-awareness and tying back to Nog and Vic Fontaine. Um, it seems like the characters in the hollow program understand the world outside mm-hmm. and at least counselor Troy on the uh, holo- holographic counselor Troy understands the world outside and she's counseling him in a kind of funny way. Right. Um, about, about before he changes it to that, whatever medieval mm-hmm. situation. Right. Um, so they're self-aware or they're aware of the fact that there is an actual, universe out there and, and the dynamics of that universe. Um, and, but at the same time, they have been very carefully programmed as, as if to just meet Barclay's needs. So is that okay? I don't know. It's, it's confusing. I, I'm not, uh, I, I, I don't know that I got that sense from this episode in particular, in terms of like whether the, the characters themselves had any awareness, like the, the thing that, um, like that was sort of Barclay's Barclay's talking to, sorry, go ahead. Oh, the, the thing that was like sticking for me was, was, uh, whether you should be allowed to have like the physical or even like the personality characteristics of maybe of anybody but specifically of anybody that you work with, uh, like maybe those should be protected except for cases of, um, like maybe like if we think about the, the, uh, like a modern equivalent is like you, uh, there are certain protections around privacy or around like libel and whatever for people, unless you could, it's something like they are a public figure and like you're allowed or like an it's a satire and you're allowed to like make fun of them in, in that particular way. And I, I, I wonder if if those types of things, like especially like as we get into like deep fake territory, like we, we're almost dealing with some of these same things now, like maybe it should be just downright illegal or somehow made impossible to do th- to like have your crew members be in the holodeck as hollow characters with you. Yeah, and I think the, the writers take a, pretty uh, you know they take a strong stance on this where um Riker's like this is this should not be allowed erase everything and then i think mm-hmm. it, I, it's i don't know if it's diana or Jordi, it's like there's no i yeah. don't know of any regulation right that says yeah, that you so can't funny. do it it's more around you don't nobody is going to judge what you do in your in your mind or in this case in your holographic world but it shouldn't interfere with your life outside of it right people outside should not be suffering or waiting on you so Jordy makes it clear what he thinks is okay and what's not. Well, I mean, Jordy the... is a little questionable because didn't he fall in love with a? Yeah, which no, I, like I love he... that they at least brought it up. He's yeah, like, hey, he he like, hey man, hey. I I had a weird episode I've where I this. fell in love with somebody. <laughs> like we all done because it because he is he is the one that's least that's the least troubled by it. Like mm-hmm. he really doesn't. I mean, he kind of walks on there and is like, whoa, what's this? But really, he doesn't seem to have much of a problem with it. Um, but, which makes me think Jordy actually probably has some social anxiety as well um, and kind of sorts through some of that on the holodeck. And so that's why he doesn't have as much, um, you know, mm-hmm. anyway. 
This episode deals with this a little bit, and there are other episodes that have dealt with a little bit more, which is, you know, the ability to, to separate reality from the holographic reality. And that's really hard to do. I mean, some people, you know, that's the typical thing if you have a dream where your partner is bad to you or something, and you wake up and you're mad at them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's that kind of thing. And it, I feel like there's a lot of possibilities of just at least misunderstandings, if not outright psychotic problems. If you say you have some, you know, you're, you're best friends with your captain in the holodeck, but your actual captain is doesn't feel that way. Um, I feel like there's just too many opportunities for uh, allowing yourself to mentally put yourself in, a, in an unhealthy place. Um, if you, if you can, if you can do that sort of thing, like, but I don't know, maybe if it, it just becomes a reality of society, the society comes up with some structured ways to deal with it. The, the other question I, I had regarding this is kind of somewhat related, but not quite there, which is at what point should your coworkers or anybody be allowed to barge into the holodeck while you're in there doing whatever you want privately? Cause here, Jordy, Riker, they don't care what's happening. Yeah. It's just like, Beep, beep, beep. Door opens, they go in and like, oh, we can't believe this. Oh my God, what's happening? Um, and that seems kind of inappropriate uh, that there's no notification to a holodeck user that like real people, their coworkers, their friends, whoever has entered. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think if you go to DS9 and the whole concept of the hollow suites and what um, Quark kind of markets them for, right? Like, I don't think people are supposed to step into other people's hollow suites. So um, it's almost like the, the show is learning over time on what hollow suites <laughs> really mean in terms of personal space, right? Or it's it's a different, it's a completely different use case, hollow suite versus a common hollow deck for a flagship stars, um, uh, starship. Well, and at least uh, on the Enterprise. Let's find out. <laughs> Enterprise D. Uh, I'm sure Memory Alpha has an exhaustive list of... Uh, I just keep thinking if someone like Barkley uses the holodeck as much as they do, you'd think someone would hear about it if there were only a few holodecks. Mm. Well, and and um, by the way, did y'all did y'all have your eyes get hurt when the holodeck comes in? It's like bright yellow and and black, and it's just like ah, my eyes. The grid. <laughs> Uh, holodecks located on deck 10 and deck 12, apparently, but it doesn't say how many there are. So as, as many as are convenient two. to the plot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah two. Um, I'm yes. trying to think if I've ever heard of holodeck 3 or holodeck 4 or if it's holodeck 1 and holodeck 2. I feel like I've heard of holodeck 2 before. I don't know. Mm. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I'd say that there needs to be some sort of like lock, you know, on the door. Well, it kind of seems like, Mom, I told you not to come in. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. The other final ethical question I will ask before we move on, and this one has a pretty clear-cut answer if you ask me, and I bet Max might agree if he was here, is uh, should a counselor be allowed to discuss what happened in a private counseling session with the supervisor of the person she was counseling, or anybody, really, for that matter? if there's no like imminent self harms. I think that last part is key. And I think in this case, there wasn't, or harm to the greater collective or community or the ship, right? So yeah. um, I, I think here there, it, it actually gives us a snapshot of what was considered okay, at least by the writers and maybe even by society at that time in the 90s. And it's not anymore, which is good. Um, but I, I don't know if it would have been okay then either to to have your your counselor just like telling rando people. I I mean I I guess may, maybe this sort Supervisor. of thing is different in a military operation, but I and I have no idea. But I feel like the counselors on Star Trek tell a whole bunch of people about the things that happen with the, <laughs> yeah with the. This is why it's such a toxic like, work environment. Is like think about last week with um. With in uh, yeah, it's only a paper moon, you know. I mean, Esri is talking about about Nog and counseling with other people, so and also right. like with we the people that, that he out. knows that can like now have different feelings about him, and yeah. And I mean, I guess so. I don't, I don't know, because I'm thinking about. I mean, obviously, when you have like parents versus children, counselors tell parents 
about things that are happening with kids you know, or like things to look out for, you know, like mm-hmm. they may not go and say, okay, this is exactly transcript of what happened in the counseling session, but they, they share um, certain aspects. But, but I that's, know that's, that's also because we've decided kids adults. don't have rights. Um, right. Yeah. I, I just feel that, I mean, either the writers were completely out of touch with what was the norm in, in that period Mm-hmm. And they felt it was okay, or that was the norm. I'm I'm kind of leaning towards. I I guess I trust them, to to understand what the norms were. Then I know it's not the norm today. Oh, I I I'm the I'm the opposite. I I feel like the uh the the way that um, at least from like how a lot of stuff is treated. I I feel like we're we're just going, like a lot of shows they portray counselor or like therapists in the same way, which. I feel like it's more about like, oh, this is how therapists are portrayed on television and this is uh, what audiences are familiar with. So this is how I'm going to portray it rather than like I have actual like I'm going to write about what my like therapy session was actually like. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah, think, I think this, in, in this episode, it was convenient to the plot that Troy went mm-hmm. to talk to Jordy and so yeah. that they had that happen. And I also thought that Troy's... Um, the way they wrote Troy was kind of cheap in that they had her enjoying that there are all these other crewmates in the, uh, jo- uh, Barclays program, but then she gets really mad when it's her. Mm. Uh, yep. Muzzle it. Yeah, I, f- I feel like a counselor would have been like, ah, this seems like an interesting way to deal with your problems, and I don't know if I'm fully, you know, like, I, I don't know. It seemed like very binary, like, hey, this is great, or like, oh, this is bad, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And- it was basically trying to you know, downplay her maturity as a counselor. Like, oh, you were being magnanimous about it before, but when it came to you, haha. Um, I actually feel that in so many situations, Guinan is like the real counselor of the ship, and like she's doing Seriously. Troy a big favor in so many ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Troy is the actual like incompetent Barkley type in the counseling department, and the <laughs> Guinan is the one that's like running the entire like counseling crew. <laughs> Uh, um well okay so getting getting back to our plot here you know we've barkley gets discovered uh there's that whole extended sequence in the holodeck and then there in the midst of this all is that like the science plot is unfolding in the background we see a lot of o'brien a lot of duffy picard calls barkley broccoli there's some stuff with wes a lot of stuff happens, and then in the end, the ship is imminently about to demise and cannot come out of warp. And and the injector, something about the injector manifold, I feel like I remember. And Barkley helps save the day. And is integrated into reality and the crew, and all is good. He says goodbye in a sequence, just like the teaser, which is like you're like. Oh, why is this dude like in front of the entire bridge saying goodbye? Like, is he getting transferred off? And then they're like. Computer save program. Bye bye. PC. We shocked you again. Fooled you. Um, well, they fooled me the first time. I'll be honest. I thought he was when he was walking up. First time I started, I thought he was going to apologize to everybody for fantasizing about them and having their holograms like set up the way he did. Then he started talking about that he's he's just he's leaving, as mm-hmm. well. And so yeah, I, I'll admit I was gullible. I fell for it the first time. Yeah, I like I, that. I, 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 I did too. I, I was just like, wait, how is he going to come back to be like that weird spider thing in that terrible episode? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, did, so, so now let's, let's talk about the ending here and the, the takeaway that we were discussing before. Adam, you had some thoughts before uh, I interrupted you much earlier in our, in our recording here about, about the takeaway and how we should feel about, um, the message this episode is trying to send. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's a that's a way to to uh, <laughs> lay it out for our, it's a uh, good for message. Me. Yeah, uh, I I I think it's a um, yeah, it, it's uh, I I I th- uh, even though that like Star Trek has this danger of like getting into very special episode territory, I I think that this episode actually does have a pretty good case for um like sh- showing us that it's 
like our hero characters like they can actually be the problem and that there's there's you have to be careful about like how you are uh like treating yourself and like working with your coworkers to make sure to like continually work hard on having a good environment for everybody uh and that's i i, I think it's a the, the episode's pretty good at showing how um that kind of that anybody can be, I guess, guilty of this type of behavior. Like we've all made fun of somebody maybe when it wasn't appropriate. And I, and I guess like to some degree, like that's usually uh, shown in shows to be like a, a lesson to like the third graders who are watching it to be mm-hmm. like, Oh, you shouldn't make fun of kids in class. Cause it's not nice. But I think it's just as important for people who are like, just like midway through their career to sort of keep this stuff in mind of like you're you are probably the problem sometimes and you need to be att- pay attention to that for sure um i'd like to call out just just one other thing around around acting i'm 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 thinking all of them had quite a blast um playing those scenes those whatever you call them medieval scenes especially patrick stewart and you know him being a shakespearean actor um before but uh i yeah, I, I got i got a good giggle out of watching all those scenes it was, it was yeah and fun. patrick stewart seemed like much more comfortable in that kind of get up than everybody else <laughs> that's true <laughs> I, I I felt like uh, Data had, uh, especially had a look of, um, I was just thinking about V for Vendetta the whole time when I was watching it. <laughs> Rudy, I don't know if I'm, if I'm paraphrasing too much or, or even accurately when I believe earlier you said that this episode kind of made you feel like it's okay to be different and it's okay to be... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I think for me, I have mixed feelings about that because... They, they 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 showed Barkley being different, but they also showed him being incompetent and like bad at his job. So I think that muddied the water a little bit for me in that they, they showed that the guy who's different gets mocked by his coworkers and is just not good at what he does. So uh which is better than the tr- I guess the trope of like the like, you know, genius with issues that everybody just doesn't understand, but then like you know, is, is just fixes the entire ship and ever quietly is like the best. Yeah, but I, nice. I think it's a little bit different though because um, what they delved into, like they looked into his history and found that like mm-hmm. actually that people have given pretty good recommendations of, of Barkley and that, uh, so like maybe he's not a genius or whatever, but he he seems to have been effective in the teams that he has, which shows that I, I think it's, that does put the blame squarely on the enterprise crew of that. They're the ones who took someone who is perfectly serviceable. Yeah. He's secluded or he's uh, reclusive or whatever, or maybe he's a little bit weird, mm-hmm. but uh, it's because of them that he sort of starts uh, sort of takes a nosedive in terms of like performance and competency uh, that like, maybe he, he wasn't obsessed with the holodeck on other ships. I think also the, mm. at this point, holodecks are still new enough that maybe other ships don't even have them, but, uh, there are certainly other forms of entertainment that were, that people had access to. And, um, I think it's, uh, I, I, I just feel like it is, this is definitely a case of, they created an environment where someone who like, maybe is a little bit like off of the normal target of like what they're looking for uh at, like they they caused him to have uh a lot of the issues that are that he's going through okay. in terms of performance i think you you worded well what they are looking for right um so it's essentially culture right and here yeah. there's there's ship culture so there's a there's an established way of doing things and people are comfortable about it and somebody new or different is coming in and and it's all it's all perception based, so it's trying to get the viewer to understand that it's it's good to keep an open mind. Um, mm-hmm. And there's there's um, there's a saying. I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Maya Angelou, right? So she's um, there, there's a, a saying um, um, from her that um, you know people 
have a sense of belonging, right? People want to belong. People at mm-hmm. the same time want to be free. You're truly free when you don't belong anywhere, which is almost like a contradiction, right? You you don't have any home or any any grounding. And so it's it's just it's just very thought provoking. Hmm. And um yeah, it's it's in the way they ended it, it's like um I don't know if they ended it as hey, he's just one of us again or okay, we have come to accept and understand his uniqueness. I think they do that later on in the series. At the end of this episode, it's like, hey, you're all right after all, man. You you're cool. You're all right, right? Um, yeah. So. Yeah, uh, after this, he's definitely more of the like quirky genius uh, prototype that we've uh, noticed as a kind of a trope. Well, any other final notes on Hollow Pursuits that we haven't got to that y'all wanted to discuss before we jump into ratings? Uh, I just thought it was weird that for some reason, I don't know if this is how it was built in the episode too, but on uh, Memory Alpha, it has uh, Will Wheaton listed as uh, it's it's he's he's one of the stars, and it's Will Wheaton as Wesley Crusher slash Barclays Blue Boy hologram, and I don't know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was pretty okay. clear that that was supposed to be Wesley Crusher, and I don't know why he's like listed as a um, he's mm. just like a different character. Yeah, so so the reason it says the blue boy is because he's wearing a costume that is a pretty direct rip of the painting, uh, the blue boy by Thomas Gainsborough. It's a very famous painting of a guy. He's not wearing the hat, but like almost exactly like that shiny mm-hmm. blue outfit. So uh... it's, that's why it's it. But yeah, it's a very strange kind of call out. It'd just be like mm-hmm. Wesley Crusher hologram. Like anyway. Um, yeah, the the uh, you also made me think of one other. Uh, quick note uh which is uh, slipped my mind i was about to i was about to point out something else that uh that happened there well i bet it anyway, was great. any other fun huh i, I bet I it was a great one was... <laughs> <laughs> um oh yeah did y'all notice the uh michael jackson gloves at the end when they're handling they're running the like purple thing and like they're, yeah <laughs> they're wearing the shiny gloves <laughs> That was just hilarious. Uh, that was something I took in my notes. Also, the background actors were, in a lot of cases, wearing the old T- TNG uniforms. Mm. It's oh, still not completely oh. switched over as a cast. But all of the actors who were in focus were wearing the new ones. Oh, so, so they had the collars this episode. Yeah, yeah. But okay. but the, a lot of the background actors uh, were walking around in the, like, collarless uh, uniforms. with the Any, any scans? I did not see any scans. Nope. So, all right. Well, let's do some strange new ratings. Who wants to stick their necks out and give Hollow Pursuits a rating? Uh, I think I'll. So I, I, I I'm gonna give this one a seven. I, I think that I appreciate sort of the discussion around this episode and maybe the like things that we learned about it more than actually watching it. Um, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, so nothing special, but it there was some nuanced discussion of mental health issues, and uh, then they also just glossed over a, a, a few other things that were extremely troubling to me. But uh, I don't know. It was fine. <laughs> I will go ahead and give it... I feel um, similar, uh, Adam, but I'll go ahead and give it eight... Uh, leaking invidium canisters out of ten. <laughs> um, I feel, I feel it's comical to watch. It does try to touch upon important inclusion issues, um, and um, the the mindset of being introverted and how that is not, that, can, that can be created by the environment around you versus being a personality that you take out to your environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think those are important things, and considering when it was shot from the nineties, the nineties perspective, I think it could have and it must have helped uh, people uh, deal with that or understand that even from a third person point of view. So yeah, eight out of ten. Okay, I'm gonna give this one a five. I didn't hate it. I just and maybe this was my mindset at the time, so I apologize to uh, everybody involved with this episode, but. I just didn't, I, 
I was not taken in, and when I watched, there was some, there was some like comedy, but like the hollow programs kind of almost just creeped me out a little bit, and <laughs> stuff that Troy pulled. I was like, oh my god! So I it just yeah. the many times during this episode that I was pulled out of the action, and I couldn't really focus on like. I, I agree with you, Adam, that the discussion we've had has been kind of illuminating and helpful for me, but I wasn't thinking about any of those things while watching it. It's <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, was going to give it a, what, three out of five, and mostly because there wasn't anything egregious that had to drop it down to the two or the one range, like some of the other episodes we've reviewed. Yeah. Um, but it was just kind of, eh, it wasn't a super exciting episode. I forgot until like around lunchtime today oh my computer's about to die i forgot until about lunchtime today that i um hadn't finished the episode <laughs> i was like oh i should i should finish that episode so um yeah anyway but all right everyone for next week we'll be discussing heroes and demons from voyager so watch that before you listen to our next episode it's a really fun one uh, with the doctor, so I'm really looking forward to that. Well, before your computer dies, Emily, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Adam. And of course, thank you, Max and Dinah and Bill, wherever y'all are. Thanks, Always much. Love... Yeah, of course. Thanks, Happy to Nudge. be here. Glad we yeah, all thanks. discussed Star Trek. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us. Thank you, Jishnu Guha, for recording our theme music. Uh, and uh, special thanks to the U.S. Navy, whose sonar boy cases were the uh, canisters that Miles O'Brien was transporting and that broke. That's oh. what the, the, the props were made out of U.S. Navy sonar boy <laughs> suitcases. So uh, thanks to the Navy to, to make that possible. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. bye.